listening to the Sit Down Standout Show, the podcast where people with all abilities and challenges can stand out from the rest, even if they've got to sit down to do it. I'm Ben and Dykstra, the Rolling Dragon, and it's time for this show to take flight. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Sit Down Standout Show, the podcast that gives people with all abilities and challenges a chance to stand out from the rest, even if they have to sit down to do it. I am the Rolling Dragon Ben and Dykstra, and normally when I'm on this show, I talk to individuals who are dealing with physical disabilities or mental health conditions. But on today's episode, I thought we'd look at things from a different angle, from the perspective of the parents. Today, the guy with me is the author of the Capables children's book series and is a famous television producer, but more importantly, he's a dad, Mr. Danny Jordan. Danny, how are you? Doing great, Ben. How you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. I'm excited now, to be here today with you. Well, I'm glad to have you here today. Now, as a dad, it's supposed to be one of the highlights of a person's life, becoming a parent. But... When did you realize that your child was going to have a different set of challenges compared to normal kids? Yeah, so uh, we found out about Emerson's upper limb difference when my wife was about 20 weeks pregnant. We went in for, you know, the, the normal 20-week ultrasound, and um, the, the radiology department had said, hey, you know, we weren't able to get some images, so we want to see you to see, a, uh, we're going to reschedule you for another appointment, uh, so you'll get a call from radiology. and. Uh, the call didn't come from radiology. It came from a genetic counselor uh, who called my wife and said, hey, you know, there's some concerns over what we're seeing and what we're not seeing on the ultrasounds. We want to see you to send you to see a specialist. So we went uh, and saw a perinatologist and at about the 21 week mark of uh, my wife's pregnancy, that's when we found out that um, Emerson um, would be born with an upper limb difference. Uh, specifically, you know, they could see that she was missing a bone in her right forearm. Uh, they didn't know which bone it was, so there was a lot. There's a lot of unknowns, you know, throughout the rest of the pregnancy, because a lot of times when there are limb differences, there can be other, you know, syndromatic issues that that will present, and a lot of that is soft tissue, which you can't see on ultrasound. So there was there was just a lot of unknowns, you know, for that that last, you know, 20 weeks, as it were, of, of the pregnancy until Emerson was born. Well, at least it's kind of a that's well, a good thing, but still a surprise that you discovered early on, okay, she's going to be born a little bit different. But there's still a lot of unknowns because as the baby grows, you never know how things are going to turn out at all. Yeah, you know, I, I think for me, I'm glad that, that we found out when we did. You know, I think, um, you know, as parents, and I'm sure any of the parents who are listening to to your show will know, is that when you know, when you're pregnant or your your significant other is pregnant, um, you start sort of writing this story in your mind of how your child's life is is going to unfold. And, um, you know, I think what was really uh, empowering for us was to to know that, you know, we had more information on what Emerson's story was going to be, or at least part of it. Um, and so for me, I think it, you know, prepared us a lot. And, you know, my wife and I are both type A personalities. So, it really encouraged us um, and motivated us to educate ourselves as as much as we could uh, about limb differences and 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 how we could, um, you know, begin the journey of advocating for Emerson before she even you know stepped foot uh, on this planet. And 
You know, and that's really, you know, as you mentioned earlier in, in the introduction, uh, the Capables, the children's book series that I created, uh, that's when the idea came, you know, was the day after we found out about Emerson's uh, limb difference that the title, The Capables, came to me. And uh, for me as a professional storyteller, it, it, it really felt like a call to action for me to put something out into the world that hopefully contributes to a world that is more inclusive, empowering, and educated when it comes to disability. Wow, that's amazing, because you also answered another one of my questions at the same time was, <laughs> how, what, how did you come to write The Capables? You just explained that. You knew ahead of time Emerson's going to be born different, so why don't I make something inspiring for her to read as she gets older? But going back to how she is how old now? Uh, Emerson just turned four. Oh, there's still a magical age at four. But as she, <laughs> yeah. as she goes into school age, now she's probably in kindergarten by now, but as she advances throughout her school life, what do you think the changes that need to be made in school systems, be it public or private, what changes do you think need to be made in order to include individuals with disabilities more often? That's a fantastic question, and I'm so glad you're asking it. You know, I think um, when I started out working on The Capables, I'd never written a book before, you know, so I was I was sort of figuring it out as I went, you know, we self-published this book. So, you know, I've had a, a heavy hand in in the process from, from you know, conception or inception uh, to, to now. Um, and I think in the beginning, it was like, I just wanted Emerson to have a book where she could see a hero that looked like her, where she knew that she could be the the hero in the story. But, you know, now that our book is out in the world and now that schools have opened up to outside visitors, I've had this great honor and, and opportunity and privilege to start doing author assemblies where I not only read uh, our debut book, Ray's First Day, but I also get the chance to um, ask kids questions and give them the space to ask questions about differences, you know, in, in all the different ways that differences present in our world, but also to uh, spread this empowering message that, you know, different is normal, uh, different is okay. And and a lot of times in life, our differences are what give us our superpowers. So, yeah, so, you know, I've been going to these schools and doing these author assemblies and, you know, the kids have had a safe space to ask questions, to engage, to get exposed um, to characters and stories that are different from what historically has been presented in children's literature and and children's media and you know it's really um motivated me in a sense that now we've we've started the capable foundation um which you know our our first step in our mission is to develop write and implement inclusive curriculum for use in elementary schools so that way these kids who have this curiosity about you know the superheroes in our stories and their differences and their disabilities that now it's not just this 30 minute session that I spend with these kids that now they'll be able to go back to the classroom or to go home with a workbook and a curriculum to continue this conversation around um, our differences being, you know, not only what makes the world unique and interesting, uh, but that different is normal and different is okay. And as we say in the world of the capable is different is super. And we want to encourage all kids, you know, whether they identify as someone with a disability or not to um, to embrace their differences and to know that oftentimes in life, um, our differences are what give us our superpowers. And so to answer your question, you know, long story longer, you know, I think I, I see this hunger and this desire, at least here where I live in California, you know, where there is funding that exists for, you know, diverse and inclusive education. 
And it's encouraging to see school districts such as the one that we live in having you know, a, a diversity, equity, inclusion officer at the district level who is specifically tasked with finding ways to integrate inclusive curriculum in schools and um, to to share new stories, you know, th that are not the ones that have always been told and, and how that exists in the classroom. So I think we're living in this very pivotal time where the narrative is changing and and I'm, I'm happy to be and, and privileged to be one of the people that is, you know, sort of part of this movement um, to to share more stories uh, and and make sure that everybody sees themselves uh, represented um, in children's literature. That is awesome that you're trying to change that narrative. And I think with the innovation of technology, more and more people are going to try to make an effort to change that narrative as things for individuals with disabilities have just become more available over the last couple of years. But one thing I would like to ask is, now she's four years old, how important is it to you as a parent, and how important should it be to future parents preparing for the future for your disabled mm. child, like planning for, okay, one day we won't be around, but who knows what kind of planning we can set up for our kid for the better? Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, sort of uh, one step, you know, keeping your feet firmly planted in the present, but uh, having your mind and heart, you know, towards, towards the future. And, you know, for me, a lot of what I do is, is knowing that what my skill set is, right? Like I am a storyteller. That is what I do professionally. So for me, it's thinking about the world that Emerson will continue to grow up in and doing what I can to ensure that the, the kids and then future teenagers and adults that she you know, exists in this world with, um, have been exposed to disability and had it, have it been exposed to differences. So that way, when Emerson enters their classroom or the playground that they're at, or, you know, wherever she, she goes in her life, that it's not something that is, um, foreign to them anymore. It's something that they've seen and that they've been exposed to. So that's, that's, you know, like an active step that I take, but I think, you know, you bring up something important around like you know, how do we, how do we as parents prepare our children for the future? You know, I think, I think that's the age old question that any parent asks themselves, whether or not their child has a disability. Um, it's just a different layer of questions that, that you ask yourself. And I think the, one of the best things you can do is, is what you do right now, which is to provide a safe space for your child, to provide a place where they know that they can they can share their concerns, where they can ask questions, where they can express their feelings and emotions without judgment. Uh, I think for any child, knowing that there's a safe space for them in the world uh, helps them to navigate challenging situations with, with confidence. Um, and the reality is, you know, I, I will never know what it's like for Emerson to walk into a new classroom or to a you know, a theme park or a movie theater or a restaurant or whatever, and, and have people look, you know, or, or maybe stare or ask questions, because uh, I've never lived a day as her. So I think what's important for parents to keep in mind is that just as it's important for us to educate our children and to empower them, it's also equally important for us to allow them to educate us, um, because they are living a life that we have never and and likely will never know. So I think we need to empower our children uh, to know that they can 
educate us and let us know what they're feeling or what they experience when they walk into these spaces. Because then I think it can inform the decisions that we make, the way we talk with our children and the way that we, we not only prepare ourselves, but prepare them for various situations that they may navigate in life. I think that's true from a very important standpoint. Like you said, I have cerebral palsy, so my mother and father will never understand what it's like to walk in my shoes as a disabled person. But throughout, over the course of my 24 years, they've learned how to make a house modified, plan for hotel accommodations and stuff like that. So it's a mix of it's a job as a parent to teach the kids right from wrong how to be a good human being. But at the same time, it's up to individuals with disabilities, not only to teach future people that come along to learn about what it's like, but we can teach our parents and the adults that came before us so much without really even knowing what we're doing. Agreed. And I, and I think, you know, for your listeners out there who are people who don't have a disability, I think it's also important that we keep in mind that it is not the disability community's job to seek us out and to educate us. Like we need to be active participants in that dialogue, you know, and, and I, and I, I can't stress that enough because I think for the world to change, there has to be the active participation of the community that is in the majority, which is the non-disabled community to, to have that interest and that willingness and that desire and, and take that action to, to educate, to engage in conversations such as the one we're having right now, because that's how we learn. Um, and that's how we grow and that's how we become better humans, better allies, better advocates. And so I would just encourage anybody out there who, who wants to be a better ally or just wants to become an ally or an advocate is to become active, to, to participate because you can't, you can't quote unquote, get it right until you're willing to get it wrong or to understand that you've had it wrong this entire time. Um, and I know that takes a lot of um, willingness to sort of accept maybe preconceived notions that we have or, or this way that we thought the world is, you know, to, to face that and know that it's, it's not right, but the world doesn't change until we make those decisions. So I would just encourage anyone out there from the non-disabled community to get involved in the conversation and to seek out opportunities to, to get educated. Hey, my fellow standouts, it's the Rolling Dragon, Ben and Dykstra, here to ask you a couple of questions as we've reached the halfway point in our program. Has life thrown you a curveball? Have you lived with what many people would consider unfortunate circumstances or unique challenges? How have you turned them around into something positive for yourself and for others? Is it your time to stand out from the rest? Well then, register as a guest at www.rollingdragonmedia.com and get ready to stand out from the rest. And now, for the rest of our story. I agree with you, but I also think it's a two-way street. Although you did say that it's not our job as a member of the disability community to seek the non-disabled community out to try to teach you things, I think it's a two-way street. You can't initiate change without both sides right. working on it. Agreed, 100%. Now, now, you've pretty much answered the question, what advice would you give to new parents? I think it would definitely be Remember to stay grounded and to try to uh, research and reach out to individuals with the community so that you can learn about how to accommodate your child's mm -hmm. needs. But 
Oh, well, I think what has can I add you... on something to that, Ben? I I would say that also yeah. don't try to be something you're not. You know, I think we live right. in this world where you know we're constantly comparing ourselves to others, and I want to stress to to parents out there of children with disabilities that just because my reaction was to go out and create a children's book series and to become you know, this advocate putting myself and my family out there, you know, um, for the world to see and to engage with, that you don't have to do that to love your child. You can just show up and let them know that they have a space, safe space. Lean into what you know, lean into what is authentic to you, because that's going to enable you to be the best parent possible um, to, to your child. Um, just being there for them, just letting them know that you love them just as they are, and that you are a safe space for them always, that is more than enough. That's very true. And the one thing I can also say on that is, if you're not authentic in real life, your kid is going to pick up on that. So it's important that you show them that it's okay to be authentic, agreed. regardless of the situation that you're yeah, in. Agreed. Now, before we got on, you just came out of what was considered a long therapy <laughs> session, which leads to my next question. How do you practice self-care? Because whether a parent wants to say it or not, I do think there's an element of it's a parent's responsibility to be an example for their child, to not necessarily be strong and be Superman for them, but you have to show them that it's okay to feel negative emotions. You have to show that it's okay to have sad mm. days. So how does Danny Jordan practice self-care to be an example for his daughter. Yeah, I mean, you, you touched on it right out of the gates with, you know, I, I came right from from therapy uh, to to this session, you know, and it was a therapy session that, that ran longer than usual. Uh, I'll be completely honest and say that, you know, I think in a lot of respects, I was running away from my feelings uh, about Emerson being born with a disability um, for a long time. And I think a lot of parents of children with disabilities, you know, they, they grapple with this idea of being afraid to say that they're sad um, because in some way we feel like that's us saying that we're disappointed in our children, which couldn't be further from the truth. But it's okay to be sad. It's okay to be sad about, you know, knowing that the world that your child is growing up in is not always kind to people who are different. And you know that your child is going to have to navigate challenging situations this this human this this being that you love more than anything you've ever loved before in your life that you know that they're going to experience some level of challenge and pain in their life that's hard and so for me i think i i busied myself with work i busied myself with riding the capables and doing all of these interviews and you know develop trying to develop an animated series but also keeping myself busy as a producer and i just kept myself so distracted that i think i wasn't being authentic about my feelings um about emerson and and the and the world that she is is growing up in so what's really become critical for me you know over the last year and a half is is to go to therapy to have a space where i can say exactly what i'm feeling um one, so I can I can actually discover what I'm feeling rather than coping in different ways or maybe hiding from what what I'm afraid to say out loud. Um, but also to to take the power out of the feelings by sharing them. 
by by talking through them with someone and starting to understand yourself. And I think it, it cannot be stressed enough that you know for the parents out there of children with disabilities, the reality is, I envision Emerson as a teenager. I envision Emerson when she's in her early twenties, asking me, "Hey, Dad, how did you how did you feel when you found out that I was going to be born with a disability? How did you feel?" Uh, the first time we went to the park and somebody pointed out my limb difference, or how did you feel, um, you know, when I had to go to school for, without you, you know, and mom for the first time, you know, I, I came to the point where I realized I didn't want that to be the first time that I thought about that when my daughter asked me. I wanted to process all of that beforehand so that way when she was curious that I could have an answer for her because I think she deserves that. And furthermore, I think that's the way that we show up as the best parents possible is to uh, own, understand, and to process what our feelings are, because I think that's the only way that we can show up authentically as the best versions of ourselves for our kids. Well, right now, I just have to say that it is very brave of you, and you're the first guy I've ever heard like admit that you didn't know how to feel when your kid was born with a disability because i think that's a natural reaction for all parents because no one ex is expecting oh i'm expecting my kid to have cerebral palsy and their life be completely different from right. mine no rational parent would accept or expect that coming off at the beginning but for you to recognize that you at first you didn't know how to feel because it was quite the shock to your system but now that she's born you're trying to figure things out in a way that you can accept the situation in a healthy way while she's young so that you're not making it more difficult for her as she grows older. Yeah, I, I think with anything in life, you know, if you run away from pain, if you run away from, from trauma, if you run away from confusion, that pain, that trauma, that confusion isn't going anywhere. And the longer you no. take to to look at it in the face and to feel all of it, the harder it's going to be when, when you finally do that. And so I, I think it's just imperative for anyone out there. Look, I think therapy is great for everybody. Um, I had a friend of mine who, who sort of described therapy as going to the university of you. Um, and that really connected with me because I think we have these notions of who we are and how we feel and, what excites us and what doesn't excite us and why we react the way we do. And, and it's not until you sit in this space, um, in a safe space with a professional and you really start peeling back the layers that you start to really understand who you are as a human being. And I think when you know genuinely who you are as a human being, you navigate the world differently and um, you just, life feels different. Let me tell you, having been in therapy for a year and a half, life feels different now. Life feels more alive. Life feels more powerful. And sometimes that can be scary. Um, but I wouldn't want it any other way. Um, because I, I think, and I know I'm so, sort of going on and on here, but I'll, 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 I'll sort of wrap this thought up uh, with this, is that I think when we close our hearts off to pain, to sadness, it, when you close off your heart in any way, there's no filter. Like when you close yourself off to pain and sadness, you inevitably are closing yourself off to joy, which means you are living a life empty of feelings. 
So I think for us to experience joy, for us to experience happiness, we have to accept and own the feelings on the other end of the spectrum. And I think that's hopefully that's the way I look at it is that's how we achieve balance in life. Well, that's amazing. Owning all of your negative feelings to be able to experience the positive feelings. Well, Danny, it has been a pleasure to have you on my show. Hmm. So before we wrap this up, I want to ask, where can people find you and all the projects that you're working on? <laughs> uh, you know, I'd say Instagram is is the primary social media platform that, that I'm active on. You can find me on there at Danny Jordan. Uh, that's J-O-R-D-A-N. Sometimes people like to put an O in there. Not really sure why. Uh, you can also, uh, you know, find my book series, The Capables at thecapables.com, or you can, you know, go to Amazon and, and check out, uh, not only our first book, uh, which recently won the Benjamin Franklin award, but we also have a second book that we just released uh, a couple of months ago called Lex Leads the Way, um, which we're really excited about. And, uh, you know, I produce a lot of TV shows, so those don't need to be promoted. They get plenty of marketing dollars that get, <laughs> that get put behind them, but I will say my other passion project in life is uh, I, I co-host a, a Christmas podcast with one of my dear friends, Eric Peterson, and that show is called Christmas Countdown. And you can find that wherever you get your, your favorite podcast. Well, well, Danny, it's uh, with Christmas Countdown. Be sure to listen to that wherever you get your podcasts, as we are still counting down to Christmas at the time of this mm -hmm. recording, even though it will drop in January. Do you have any final thoughts before we wrap this up, Dan? Uh, well, first, I just want to say thank you, Ben, you know, for for reaching out to me and inviting me to be on your show, you know, as as a creative, as a person who produces media and, and puts stories out into the world. It takes a lot of bravery and a lot of courage uh, to launch something like this and to put your voice out there for others to, to heal, hear your feelings. And um, and I know it takes a lot of courage and bravery to reach out to people and ask them to, to be a part of your projects and to join you. So I, I want to say a huge thank you to you. And I would just say, you know, really, I, I like to speak to the parents out there because I think that's that's my lane is that just own who you are, own your feelings, all of them, the happy, the sad. And as I said earlier, you know, be authentic to yourself. You know, it's like as a writer, we always say, write what you know. So I would say for all the parents out there, be the parent that you want to be. Be the parent that is most authentic in, in your heart because that's, that's what your child needs. They don't need you to show up as Superman or Wonder Woman or whatever. They just need you to show up as mom and dad. So be that for them. Provide them a safe space uh, as they navigate this world. And with that, we're going to wrap up this week's episode of the Sit Down Standout Show. He's Danny Jordan. I'm Ben and Dykstra. And we shall see you next time.